Oh, praise the Lord. Hey, well, if you have your Bibles, would you get it out and let's hold them up and, and make a declaration? We never like to get started without reminding ourselves of what we really believe. We're not here just to hear a good story or a good sermon, but we're here to hear from God. So would you say this out loud with me? This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. Open in your Bible with me to Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And we're uh, wrapping up this series here on First Things First. And we kicked this off just a couple weeks ago talking about loving God first. When you want to put God first, you've got to love God first. Because if you don't love God first then anytime you try to obey God, it's just not going to come out right. You know, you're trying to follow his ways, but if you don't love him, then it becomes optional. And so when you really do have a love for the Lord, then all of a sudden it causes this desire on the inside to God, I want to honor you. I want to please you. Jesus was having a conversation with some people, and, and we find the story in Mark chapter 12, where as he's talking, somebody listens to them all reasoning together, and he's thinking, this guy, Jesus, He's got good answers. He seems to know his stuff. And so he asked him, what is the first commandment of all? And I, we've gone over this, but let's read it out loud together and let's fill this place with the word of God, starting at verse 29 of Mark chapter 12. And we can read from the screen so that we all say the same words. Let's read it. Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So what's the first commandment? It's to love the Lord your God, right? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. So really, we're to love him first with everything, with everything we are, we're to love him. Some people might say, well, why do we have to go first? Why doesn't it say he should love us first? Well, hold on, Jack. If you spend time reading the rest of the Bible, you'll find out in 1 John that it tells us that we love him because he first loved us. So he did love us first. Way before we were even thinking about loving God, he was thinking about loving us, and he was loving us. And so he tells us, though, like, hey, this is the way to live. This is the way to, to you know, things to do, things to not do. But all of that has to be built on this foundation of your love for me, because otherwise, it's just some routine. It's just some religion. It might as well be any other religion. It might as well be any other religion. You can take the principles of the Bible, and if you pull out the love for the Lord, you pull out the love from God, that's all it is is rules and regulations, and he doesn't want that. He says, first of all, the greatest commandment is to love him. But then he goes on to, to say, and the second one, the second one is like it. The second one's just like it. And he says this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. In, in another passage where he the story is told, he says, these two things right here, it sums up the whole, all the law. It sums everything up. Like, like, how do you boil down all the law of God comes down to this. Love God first and love other people. Love God and love other people. Because when you're loving God, and I don't just mean love in the way that 
the current culture says to love people because love for other people really, or, or love in this current culture, really it, it's more of a self-focused love. It's whatever I feel like is love, whatever is love to me. My, my, my true self and all this and, and how, how uh, I perceive it. But that's not what the Bible's saying here. He's saying love according to the way God instructs, that he models, that he demonstrates laying your life down, this selfless love, this love that is committed, this love that looks out to, for the interests of others. This kind of love, he said, he said, if you get these two things right, right here, then the, uh, all the stuff will fall in line. And really, when we violate somebody, when we have conflict, when we're, when we're uh, hurting other people, what happened? We stepped out of love. We stepped out of love. What about when we violate God's word and his will? What happened? Man, I stepped out of love for the Lord, and I put my own self first. And so he said, you get these, things, these two things right, and uh, love, love the Lord first, and you love others like that. He said, you're going to be well on your way. You're going to be well on your way. Like, like if you want to simplify the Bible... I mean, this would be a whole lot lighter book, right? It'd be a lot smaller. We could carry this in the pocket, no problem, right here, if, if you just boil it down to that. And if we just practice those two things, don't you think that'd make a huge difference? Like, just your motivation. Why are you going to... You're about to say that. You're about to re- reply to that. You're about to text that. Is that demonstrating your love for that person? No, I'm going to tell them what, what it is or how it is. Oh, oh, is that love first? No. All right, so we're not going to do that. Some of those things you want to say, some of those things you want to do, some of the ways that you want to act, right? Is it motivated out of a love for that person? No. It's motivated out of, I want to justify myself or get them back or do what protects me or builds myself up. And so Jesus, you know, this is what he taught. It blows my mind when people don't like Jesus. <laughs> like, how can you not like Jesus? He, he, he's sitting here and he's telling us, man, we got to love God and we love people. And he does say some very hard things. He says some very challenging things, things that we don't like. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff that he talks about. But man, his motivation, even when he's saying things we don't like, it's not because he doesn't like us. It's because he loves us and he wants the best for us. And so you love the Lord first and you love others like that. Now, in our culture, we're always hearing about things that are happening that really are a result of not doing that. For example, over the past six months and maybe even a little bit longer, you've heard a lot about sexual misconduct in, in the news. It's happening. I mean, from coast to coast, from, from Hollywood to D.C., so many people are being exposed for the way they've treated others, the things that they've done, the experiences that, that they've had. And uh, it's all over the place, isn't it? And it's all over the news. Uh, and it, it should come as no surprise to us because we have a culture that glorifies this kind of sexual behavior. It glorifies it and, and, and really wants to remove any boundaries, any God-given boundaries especially. We have a culture that just puts that out there and says, you can live however you want, do whatever you want, whatever is you know, good for you, you can do these things. But then all of a sudden, we start reaping consequences of that, and we wonder why. We're wondering why. Now, I'm not saying that anyone's justified in doing any of this stuff to anyone else. That's the pro- that is a problem. But, but we of have a, have a culture have just said, well, we can do whatever we want. And now all of a sudden, you know, as they say, the, the chickens are coming home to roost, right? It's like you send them out and now it's all coming back. It's coming back. And once the floodgates of immorality have been opened, it's hard to control the flood of consequences. Yeah. 
And that's what our culture is seeing happen today. And some of these consequences, you think about like the victims, those who would be the ones who were hurt, uh, who were attacked, assaulted, mistreated, whatever, whatever degree it is. You know, there, there, there's things from, hey, you just said some comments that were that really should not, shouldn't have been said to somebody. You know, some people, sometimes in the news, they think, well, what's the big deal about that? All right, let some guy say that to your daughter. You tell me what's the big deal of it. It's no big deal when it's this actress or this person over here that lives this lifestyle, but when it's your daughter, what do you think about that? It's not right, is it? So it's not right to anybody. And it goes all the way up to something that is, um, can be brutal. And, you know, this, the, it's this, this scope here. The victim, the consequences, the shame, the anger, the blaming of the self, right? This stuff happens. The depression, the PTSD, the fear to be alone with other people. Uh, th- if you look at statistics, you find that, that those who have been victimized, even at an early age, are 10 times more likely to be victimized in the future. Why is that? Why is that? If something attaches to their life. Somehow you, you set yourself up or get set up to become a, a victim in the future, a target of the enemy. And that's just some of the consequences that people experience, some of them. Maybe some of you are dealing with some of those things here as a result of how you've been treated, how some, what someone has done to you. And as I talk about it, in a general sense, we can think, yeah, but a lot of us, it can come close to home, especially when you look at the statistics of how many uh, women specifically, though it's not exclusively for women, but how many women have been sexually harassed or assaulted and so forth. It's, uh, it's ridiculous. But our culture glorifies this sexual freedom so much to where we don't have boundaries. We don't have control. We don't have respect. And we wonder why. Now, for the one who is the offender, there's consequences too. And they can go from a slap on the hand, a kind of, well, you know, it's just our society, all the way up to shame, embarrassment, public shaming, job loss, the, the strained relationships, broken marriages, that, that public humiliation finds jail time. I mean, there's consequences for these things, right? And, and here's the deal. We know when, there's, when it's not mutual that there's consequences, but some people would say, well, of course that. That's what we're talking about. That's the problem. The problem is it's not mutual. However, you know, God says that even when it's consensual on both sides and it's out of order with his ways and his will, yeah. that there's consequences for that. Yeah. So it's not just when someone's doing something that someone else doesn't want that there's consequences. God has given us sex and sexuality as a gift. Come on, somebody. It's a yeah. gift. It's amazing. <laughs> God made something that, that was such a strong desire so that uh, we would continue to propagate the human race, but we would enjoy it. We, it's a blessing from the Lord, even when you're not having kids. It's just something that God's given to you to say, this is awesome. So I, I'm looking around, making sure there's no, no two, two in, anyone too young looking at me thinking, this is gross that an old guy th- talks about this. 42. <laughs> 42. I still got it. All right. But listen to this. 
Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Sometimes people think, well, as long as it's consensual, we can do whatever we want. As long as it's mutual, we can do whatever we want. You know, that might seem right to you, but if it's out of order with God's ways, there's consequences to that even. Because he has given it as a gift, but it's, it's, it's sort of like putting, putting a gun into someone's hand. You can use it to hunt food. You can use it to protect yourself. You can use it to defend, but you can use it to harm people. And you can have accidents if you don't know how to use it and hurt yourself. And so when people think, well, this is a gift to me and I can do whatever I want with it, well, not exactly because it's a gift from God who's established it in our life. And he says, operate within these boundaries here and it'll go well with you. But if you don't, then there's going to be consequences in your life. And, and the consequences are happening all around us, but people don't always connect the consequences with the violation of God's word. They see all these things and the people being, being hurt and abused and mistreated and, and, and so forth, and they don't connect that with the violation of God's word. They don't connect it with the fact that people aren't loving God first and, and loving others in that same manner. Because that's what's happening, isn't it? Yeah. And so we want to think that, oh, someone just went over the line. Well, why is that? It's not just they went over your line, but long before that, they went over God's line. They went over God's line. And that's where our culture is at. In 1 Corinthians 6.18, the Bible says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. And so when God is saying this to people, he's saying, these are my boundaries. He's not saying flee sex. He's saying flee sexual immorality. Flee the, the sexual relationships and activity that are outside of my boundaries. Because every other sin that you commit, you know, you, you, uh, it's outside your body. But when you commit a sexual sin or a sexual immorality, when you violate God's word in this area, you're sinning against yourself. So there's no wonder that there's consequences yeah. that span way beyond what I just shared. I mean, you can look at the broken emotions, the relationships, the physical uh, consequences as well, and the breakdown in our own bodies and diseases. Uh, um, you look at the way we relate to one another, we treat one another, we objectify one another. And God says, flee from that. Flee from that. He's not saying be a prude. And he's not saying that you have to create a society to where we don't embrace this God-given gift and enjoy it and, and celebrate it within God's boundaries. What he's saying is the broken part of it the broken way of approaching it. Flee from that. Stay away from it because it'll destroy you. It will tear your life apart. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, if you were to back up a little bit, God says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. And he goes on with another, uh, several other lists and the items in the list. And he says, none of those will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, can I just tell you something that the world doesn't want to hear? And we try to even tiptoe around sometimes, and, and we shouldn't. This is a big issue. And the Bible says that, that those who practice this, those who, who choose this 
And, he, got, and he, he lumps a lot of things into this category of sexual immorality. But those who practice this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't have to be that you have hurt someone or offended them or attacked them or disrespected them. He's saying even when it is mutual, consensual, when it's outside, which would be immoral, uh, as opposed to within the morals of God's word, when it's outside of that, then you are putting yourself not... Uh, not just because, man, I'm struggling with these thoughts or desires, but I am, he's sitting here saying, this is a person who is, is saying, I'm going to go with this way instead of God's way. You are putting yourself in a position where you are outside of the kingdom of God. And you are headed down a road that might seem right to you, but in the end, it leads to death. And of course, we know there's physical death, but there's that eternal death and separation from the Lord. And so this is where it's so important for us to be honest about what does God say here? And he has the right to speak this into our lives. And for us, when we look at our culture, we can't just say, ah, you know, that's just how the world is. But we also need to know that why is it like that? Because people are embracing a, 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 an immorality and a lifestyle that is contrary to God's words, and that's the fruit of it. And not only is it bad here, but if someone continues to walk that way in, in disregard of God and who he is and what he says, it's going to have eternal consequences. This is where our culture's at. The world tries to address it by public awareness, which we should be, and by uh, setting up new laws with tougher consequences. Understand all that. Sometimes they're it's the public awareness and shaming of others. Sometimes people are being fired or sent to sensitivity training and so forth. But here's the deal. When the heart is corrupt, no law can fix us. In Acts chapter 2, verse 40, the apostle Peter is preaching to people, and as he's wrapping things up, says, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Now, he's not just talking about a sexually perverse generation, but a corrupt generation, but it affects every area and aspect of life. And he's saying, be saved from that. And it's easy for us to go along with, with the, uh, the narrative that the world puts out there of just whatever people you know, want to do, it's all up to them, and who are you to say what's right for me, and what's, you know, because what's right for me may not be right for you. But here's the deal. What is right for God He's God. And what he says for us, what are we going to say against that? Like, who are you, God? But we do. He's our creator. He loves us. He cares for us. He's not up there and thinking, I want to take away your fun, saying, I want you to experience the love and the gift that, that I've created within the context I've created it for. And when you don't, you see all this stuff go on. I don't know how accurate this is. Someone, someone shared it yesterday, so I haven't looked it up, but at our men's breakfast, which was awesome yesterday. Uh, men, you guys are awesome. But they said that, that right now, um, more children are being born out of wedlock than in here in the United States. Why is that? Now, let me tell you something. If that's your experience, you can love that child as a child, your parents, your mom will love you, dad will love you, whoever you're with will love you, and God can redeem and restore that. But that's not his best. He, he doesn't want us to keep going down that road, creating a fatherless generation, broken families. But those are consequences of doing it our own way. 
And so God is saying, no, 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 listen to me, listen to me. Here's the deal. How do we approach this? What do we do? You hear all the stuff in the news. You hear people talking about it. What do, what's, how do we really get to the heart to address these issues? What, what needs to happen? Because, by the way, this isn't happening to just those people out there. Man, this happens with us. This happens with us. And, and thank God that people are coming to the church who that stuff's happening to. Why is that? Because where's the hope? It's in Jesus. And who can restore lives? It's in Jesus. And, and you know what we, we're called to do? Build solid lives. You know what that implies? That not everybody's solid, right? And so thank God for anybody at any place and stage of life who is broken as can be or, or against God or whatever, you come on here. You come on. Come to the cross of Jesus. He can, he can heal you. He can forgive you. He can fix you. He can restore you. He, 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 there's no limitation to that. But you have to be willing to say, yep, I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. The only people who can't get help are those who don't admit they need it. And the only people that God, even God, can't help are those who don't admit that they need his help. So what do we do? Well, we have to develop a love and a respect for other people. We have to. What's happening in the news? What do you hear? It's because there's not a love and respect for other people. This is why the church needs to talk more about it, because we have the answer. We have the answer, and it's not just keep your hands to yourself. Well, yeah, some of it's like that, but it's not just that. It's really not that at all because there's something deeper. Like I said, you can't create a law on the outside if you don't change the heart on the inside. And so the Word of God addresses the heart. And this is where people want to rebel and say, I don't want God's ways, but I want His benefits. I don't want, I don't want to listen to Him, but I want the good things He wants for me. I just want to go at it my own way. But you won't get there. Not all roads lead to God. Not all roads lead to God's best or benefits or blessings or a good life. Not all roads lead to heaven. Only the road that he's established. And, and by the way, I know that it, the, uh, uh, our, our generation... Now, some of you guys are saying, when, when I say our generation, there's like multiple generations here. So you might be like, uh, my generation, we had a biblical worldview. I, I'm a, I'm a um, Gen X. So some of you guys might be baby boomers. You might be uh, whatever came after the millennials. You know, you, you might be somewhere in there. People view the world different. They view truth different. But God doesn't change. Yeah. And so there, there was generations past who really viewed, okay, God is real. Uh, there is a right and wrong. I believe in an afterlife. I've probably done some things wrong. Somebody comes along and explains who Jesus is, what he's done. Now we just connect the dots. Oh, I need to, you know, I, I agree, I understand. We're talking to a new generation who doesn't even have those dots. They don't have those dots. But it doesn't change the reality. Gravity is gravity whether you believe it or not. And, and, and so that's not a, like, hey, I'm putting you down because you don't believe it. No, it, it's still real. And you jump off a building, you'll find out. No, don't really jump. Don't jump. Okay, so... Uh, you got to develop a love and respect for others. In Romans 12, 10, it says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. Look at this. What does that have to do with, with sexuality and the way we treat each other and so forth? Everything, right? Yeah. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. People who are uh, being accused of stuff that they've you know, done, whether they, if they've done it, 
Do you think they were preferring the other person? Absolutely not. You think when, when we uh, mistreat others, are we giving them preference? No. There's another uh, passage in 1 Timothy where this older guy, Paul, is telling this younger guy, Timothy, on how to conduct himself in relationships. And he says, treat younger women as sisters with all purity. This is what the scripture is telling us. And, and is that something that the world needs to hear? And why would anyone disagree or argue with that? No, treat them with impurity. No, we understand. No, that's the right thing to do. But here's, a, here's something even uh, uh, more valuable to catch out of that is that here's an older guy mentoring a younger guy. You know what we need, you older guys and older women? No old women in this place, but just older. You know what, what you need? You need to invest your life into the younger generation who, who do not get it. <laughs> they don't always have the role models. They don't always know. And so find someone to pour your life into. Just speak truth and love to them. Don't complain. We don't need grouchy old people. We don't. No grumpy old men here, right? We don't need that. We need people who love and believe in and want to see these young guys thrive and do well and keep themselves from trouble. I see more than anything people being derailed by relationships where they don't honor God, especially young people coming up. But it's not just young people, but I I know high school, uh, young adult stage right there. So often people are wanting to love the Lord and, and honor God. And the next thing you know, here comes, you know, hot young mama, good looking guy, big muscles, whatever, he's nice, however you look at it, and they just get off track. They get off track. And the Lord is, is not even secondary anymore. He's like way back there. Reminds me of a story. One day, this doctor was out walking, and he saw one of his patients. And this patient was an older guy, pretty old, and had a hard time hearing. He came into the office like this, you know, like he's barely on his last leg. Well, he sees this guy, and he's got a smile on his face, kind of a skip in his step. And he he says, oh, you know, Harold, how you doing? He says, great, doctor. I took your advice. What do you mean? He looks at the lady next to Harold, and it's this beautiful young woman. And he said, well, you told me to to live carefree and get yourself a hot young mama. And the doctor looked at him and said, Harold, I said, be careful. You got yourself a heart murmur. (laughs) Anyways. It had nothing to do with anything. It's kind of funny. You guys need to laugh more. Laughter makes, it's like a good medicine. Okay, we, when we, treat, we treat others better when we develop godly character. What, what is a solution to this? We treat others better when we develop godly character. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee also youth, youthful lusts, uh, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. As we flee the youthful lusts, but we don't just stay away from the wrong things, but pursue things that build your character up. Righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Be mindful of the people who you surround yourself with. Uh, Other times, though, it's not just about respecting others. It's about controlling your own God-given desires. Here's the deal. There's a powerful desire that God's placed on the inside of us. And if you let those horses out of the barn, I'll tell you what, man, they will run. They will run. 
And, and again, we go back to it's a God-given gift, and sometimes it's not a matter of I want to disrespect this. I've lost all control. <laughs> I have awakened love before it's time, as Ecclesiastes says, or I have got, got to a place where I am no longer in control of my own passions and desires. And uh, that's a, tr- uh, a dangerous place to be in. Hebrews 13.4 says, marriage is honorable among all. It's honorable among all. And the bed undefiled. Like, like there, God is not restricting the, the marriage bed. He's just restricting it to the marriage bed. He's not restricting intimacy and the joy of it and the, and the excitement of it and so forth. I don't have to go into more details, right? You guys get it? I'm not, he's not restricting that with the exception of within the boundaries of marriage between a man and a woman. And that has been God's plan from the beginning, and it will never change regardless of laws that are passed, regardless of culture and what we feel about it as a society. We'll all give account to the Lord, not based on the laws of our land. We'll give account to the Lord based on what did he say? This is so important, and it's uh, offensive to some. I would rather run the risk of being offended than being wrong before God. Man, God, offend me. Do whatever you need to do to get me on track. Because I, I don't, I, I, you're not going to argue and tell him he's wrong. Like, you stand before the Lord. Well, that's if there is a God. Well, then we, we, we can't argue, <laughs> you know. If you don't believe in, in him, we, where, do we, where are we going to go with that? Anyways, so look what it says. He says, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So he's saying this, these are the boundaries. But outside those boundaries, you're opening yourself up to the judgment of God, the consequences that come from that. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, you being set apart, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Over and over, the Scripture says these things, and this is God's way of creating and developing healthy families. The families, healthy families, are the core of any community. And if you destroy the family, you're going to destroy the community. You're going to break down society. And that's what we see happen over and over and over again. But man, when there's strong families where there's a love between the, the mother and the father, husband and life, uh, life and wife, husband and wife, uh, that, is, that is the ideal situation. Does God work in the midst of that? Look, I know people here have broken relationships. Does that mean that you can't be healthy? Absolutely not. God's a restorer. God's a redeemer. And do you need a spouse to be complete? Absolutely not. Jesus makes you complete. If you're not complete before you're married, you're going to find out how broken you are when you are married. (laughs) You got to find completeness in, in the Lord. Okay, so here's the deal. What's feeding your passions? You harvest what you plant. Galatians tells us you reap what you sow. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, what you are feeding, the word of God, that will transform you. So if, if you feel like, man, my desires are out of control, or I'm in a place where I'm struggling, or I, I've, I'm you know, just not living the right way, get the word of God and flood your, your heart and mind with it. It will transform you. But if you flood your heart and mind with um, so much of the complaining in the news and social media, so much of the, uh, what the pop culture says is desirable or, or acceptable, you will be conformed to that way of thinking. 
The next thing is this. Ask yourself, what are you spending your time with? Or who are you spending your time with? Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Don't be misled. It will every time. Bad company corrupts good character. However, I'll tell you this. Good company builds good character. Good company builds good character. Make sure you're surrounding yourself with some people who wants to pursue the Lord with a pure heart. Doesn't mean that you, you reject or, or avoid other people. I'm not saying that at all. Go after them with the desire to represent Jesus to them, introduce them to Jesus. Last thing here, here is what's coming out of your mouth? Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You see, it's oftentimes it's not just a problem of something that happened physically. It starts with the thoughts and the heart, and it comes out of the mouth. And we start taking liberties with the words that we use, whether it's really um, the joking, the uh, giving place to the jokes, the language, and then speaking words that start to dishonor other people. All of that has to do with uh, what you'll end up acting upon. Your words will direct your future. And so the scripture is telling us, be careful what's coming out of your mouth. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. You know, the guys at work who want to talk and tell these dirty jokes, don't even give place to it. Just walk away. Well, they're going to think, you know, I'm, I'm kind of weak or weird or whatever. Let them think whatever they want. What does God think? Yeah. And guess what? When you stand strong and you carry yourself with honor and you respect others, when they have a need for something, who are they going to talk to? They're going to talk to you. When they need someone to confide in and trust, who are they going to talk to? You. Why? Because they've watched how you talk about others. And so they'll see the strength eventually. And not only that, God will honor you. So don't let those things come out of your mouth. You, you, don't be gossiping. Don't be talking about other people. Don't, you know, the, the, the group with your friends and complaining about so-and-so or whether they're in the news or local or, or whatever. Don't do that. Only let what is necessary, helpful for building others up according to their needs, let that come out of your mouth. Choose the words you speak. It'll affect the way you live. It'll affect the way that we, um, the way we relate to this whole issue of sexuality within our culture. All of these things here. Uh, you guys have taken up too much of my time singing happy birthday. I'd love to, <laughs> love, love to add a little to this, but let's, can we take it from there? Can we feel like, okay, if we, we honor the Lord with our wor words and get his word inside of me and that we, we just lean into him, that not only will it help us be strong and pure, but you know, we can be salt and light in this world. And when they're all trying to find the solution, we can say, we, we, I got an answer. We got the answer right here. And it'll help you to avoid the trouble you're in. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, God, that your word is true. It's trustworthy and reliable. Lord God, for us, we choose to embrace your word. Would you just tell them that, God, I choose to believe your word. And I choose to follow your word. And Lord, any area of my life that's out of line, bring me right back into alignment with it. Lord God, we want to put you first in this area of purity, the way we treat others, because we want to set a new course for our community, set a new course for our family, set a new course for our friends. Lord God, I pray for uh, all of us here, whether there's been words or experiences that are just 
uh, been completely out of alignment with your ways and your words, Lord God. Lord, I pray for mercy and forgiveness. I pray for strength and healing. I thank you, Lord, that today is a new day. And Lord God, you lead us into a path of life. Thank you, Lord God, that your way is the best way. And Lord God, as we follow you, we walk in faith and trusting you, not depending on our own righteousness, but depending on you, Lord God, that we see the fruit and the, the benefit and the blessing in our lives. We trust you for it in your precious name. Amen.